You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. speaking with Heather Shaw at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Heather. Oh, thanks for interviewing me. <laughs> Heather, uh, I really loved your story. It was a fascinating uh, look in, at near future and drugs. Could you talk about designing designer drugs? Well, I, I've always wanted to write a drug story. So it was something that uh, I've been thinking about for years. And uh, as, as I mentioned to somebody earlier, it's... You know, I went to college, so I had a little experience with, with what drugs do and, and what people want their drugs to do. Um, I wanted it to, um, you know, use a little bit of the um, NetSpeak lingo. Uh, I'm not totally up on that, so I'm afraid it's probably going to be dated pretty quickly with the whole at sign thing. But I wanted to kind of tie that together. I also was really interested in the idea that um, different... Uh, socioeconomic classes use different drugs and um, you know the idea for this particular story came from walking through the mission to work and seeing the people on crystal meth and how they act and it's not a drug that I'd ever really you know had any experience with be other than seeing you know these people on it because I'm from a different class and they're you know the drugs that people in my class do are are a little different than, than that so that's sort of where the seed of that idea came from um, well I, I one of the things I really liked was the the way you play with the perceptions back and forth in, uh, of the story could you talk about uh, doing that in in prose how you architected that in prose and the, the perceptions of the of being on the drugs yeah. or um, gosh you know I whenever I'm writing a trance scene of any sort I try to not break the flow when I'm writing that particular scene. Uh, other stuff I can come away from and go, go back to, but the but the writing it's almost like, you know, it's a rhythmic thing, and you gotta gotta f you know fall through the hole in the paper. I forget who said that, but um, it's uh, so that was sort of what I tried to do when I was crafting the scenes where um, where M is actually on the drugs. Um, uh, you know the other the other you know the realistic walking around um, stuff, you know, I can, I, I tried to have a little bit of a lighter touch, not have it be um, quite, have the flow that the, the drug scenes had. So I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> exactly. Um, well, one thing that, that struck me, I now I know you write a lot of urban fantasy, and, and this, even though it was a science fiction story, it had a little bit of that feel about it. Could you talk about writing urban fantasy and science fiction and kind of how that those you know, uh, barriers blur in your brain? Uh, I think they really, they blur quite a bit. Um, and I think it's because I'm not a, a hard science fiction writer. I don't really have the background to do the technical stuff that I think people who really enjoy hard science fiction are looking for. So I try to, when I'm doing science fiction, I try to look at the more uh, sociological side of things. So what's, what's society going to be like? Maybe not, you know, have the tech exactly, you know, down to the you know, last detail, but um, but sort of like how the world is to live in. And um, I think that, you know, that's a little bit 
you know, when you're writing urban fantasy, you're you're in the you know obviously today's world, um, but it's a little changed. You know, so writing a near future science fiction story, you're in today's world, but it's a, it's a little changed. So it's it's that sort of tweaking what we know, and um, you know making it. Uh, you know, ad adding that element of wonder, whether it be you know science fiction or fantasy, to to reality. Now, as the editor of Flytrap, you must see a lot of fiction. Could you talk about editing a small zine that that has really you know high quality stuff? Um, well, you know, it's you get you get. <laughs> You, you get a lot of slush, and you just have to put on your hip boots and, and wade through it. You get really good at um, at figuring out from the first few sentences, if not like whether the story is going to work for you, whether the writer is of a quality to go that, that you're looking for. And it, it sounds kind of harsh, but um, there's a confidence in writing. When, when someone's written a lot and they've done it over and over again, um, you know, when they when they start a story, they know how to start the story, and you feel like you're in really good hands. Um, and uh, there's just something about those first uh, first few paragraphs, sometimes even the first few lines, that you can tell that this is a really good story, or at least if it's not a good story, it's going to be co you know competently told enough to like give it a really good shot. Uh, you know, you want to read through everything that you you know in your slush pile anyway but you but you get a you get a good sense uh you know right away when you're when you're reading fiction uh, whether something's going to work for you which whether it's what you're looking for or not now do you accept electronic submissions uh a fly trap i think we're we went to only electronic submissions in the end um it's just it's such it's weird because when i first started submitting stories you know you, you wanted to you, only have paper stories and now it's all about the e-subs um, so it's just much easier to have them in an electronic file um, you can take them with you you know you don't have to like if you lose the copy you know you don't you can't leave the copy on the bus and then like be like oh, dear author please send me the story again so um, yeah I really I really liked having e-subs now, when you publish a small zine like this, there's a lot of uh, other work that goes on into it beyond just the fun of reading and selecting right. the stories. Could you talk about that and how that sure. kind of complements the other work? Well, um, yeah, my husband, Tim Pratt, is the other editor, and he has mad layout skills. So he laid out the magazine and put it together, um, you know, as far as how it looks in the, as a physical object. And um, what, what program does he use? Oh, my gosh. InDesign? Yes, I think it's InDesign. Thank you. <laughs> you can tell I don't do that side of it. I'm like, um, um yeah. So he 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 uh, does that for his his day job, and um, you know, he's very good and very fast at that. So that that was his side of things. Um, you know, I did a lot of the art direction. I tried to like find um, either public domain photographs or images to use, or you know, bug our friends for images, um, that sort of thing. Uh, we tried to do, you know, some some nonfiction. So we pinged different friends for that. Um, we tried to have some funny things, like uh, we had the Book of Dead Beginnings, which were um, the beginnings of stories that we never would finish writing. So you get this little taste of um, of what a you know of the, the promise of a story, but never the the fulfillment. Um, so so that was fun to fill in the little margins that you know are left over, and it's a paper zine, so there was a lot of little room for that. Uh, probably the, one of the more grueling aspects of it is um, 
is the the you, you have to take it to the printer you have to get it you know print it up lug the big box back and then you know, compile your mailing list print out the labels stick in your sticking labels and stuffing envelopes and we hard we didn't have a very big um, subscription base uh, we're on indefinite hiatus at the moment but even so it was always this you know project and at the coffee table trying to you know get everything labeled up and stamped and into the post office so um, you know that that's a probably you know bigger zines obviously have somebody a, a fulfillment house that does that but we were small enough that it was all just the two of us now you are prolific and well-known short story writer. So tell us about going to a novel. What made you think you could do it? Oh, that's nice. That's sweet of you to say. Um, you know, I I am actually kind of a, a slower writer. Um, I tend to sit on ideas for a long time and think about them before I ever start writing. And um, I... It just seemed time to, to, you know, to try my hand at a novel. I'd written one that took me about three or four years to finish. And um, so it's a, it's a totally different structure, and it's a way to kind of challenge yourself to do, um, challenge myself to do something new. So I've, you know, I tried with the first novel. I've kind of, I might come back to it, but I'm sitting that aside, and I'm kind of exercising those skills on a new novel. Um, it just seems like, some stories are bigger than, than than you can tell in a short story, and uh, it, I don't know. I, it's weird. I mostly read novels. I, I you know I read short stories, but I always have my nose in the novel. So it after reading them for so many years, it I I feel like you know it's something. It's a form that I love so much that I should I should try my hand at, at writing one or two myself. So. Well, we'll look forward to reading your novel. I've been, I've been speaking with Heather Shaw. Thank you for joining me, Heather. Oh, thanks for having me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.